You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. This is the New Living Translation. And so since God in his mercy has given us this wonderful ministry, we never give up. We reject all shameful and underhanded methods. We do not try to trick anyone, and we do not distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know that. If the good news we preach is veiled from anyone, it is a sign that they are perishing. Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. They don't understand the message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers, that is, in our weak bodies. So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts, minds, souls that would be able to embrace and bodies to believe. We invite you to come and glorify Jesus in our midst. Cause us to know our risen Lord is among us. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, I've got a quote from Tim Keller. Anybody know Tim Keller? Read some of his stuff. Just a tremendous uh, servant of the Lord, just a, a wonderful scholar as well as pastor. This is what Tim says about miracles. I thought it was really interesting. We modern people think of miracles as the suppression of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. Chew on that a minute. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, but also wonderful foretastes of what he is going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. Mm-mm-mm. This is a supernatural life that we've been called to live. 
The moment we asked Christ into our hearts and we confessed our sins and he was faithful and just and he forgave us our sins, we became a new creation. We're a new species. Look, look to your neighbor and just say, man, there's never been anything like you. Never been anything like you. Yeah. <laughs> And when we look at what Paul's writing to the church at Corinth in his second letter, uh, he's, he's addressing them and he's talking about this wonderful, wonderful ministry that we have. All because of his mercy. Part of the masculine nature of God is he initiates. He's the one that takes the first step. Right. It's not that we found Christ. <laughs> he found us. And, and we realized he found us. And his love was so wonderful that when we finally got through all the religious nonsense and we understood the invitation to relationship that he was offering, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. There is no one on the planet who would not say yes to Jesus if they could get through all the religious stuff that they've been taught because it's just too good to be true. It's just amazing. And so when I look at this, I just think of, of the supernatural mercy and grace I, I was, I, as I look through this, I, I see Paul's talking about uh, the message, the method, the messenger, and the ministry. How's that for alliteration? He, he's just weaving it all through these seven, seven verses. And, and it just kind of goes in one and out the other. He doesn't make for a good outline for a preacher, but it, it, the concepts are all right there. This wonderful ministry that we have. And they want, uh, Paul wants to make sure that they understand that we're telling the truth. The method by which we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ is not one where we're going to deceive. It's not one where we're going to manipulate. It's not one of which we use shame to control. And yet, how many has that been their experience in the church? It's like, oh Lord, forgive us. In the church, we've used all the different things that Paul said is not a part of the gospel, and we've made it a part of a religious gospel that, that distorts and taints and causes us not to be able to see the glorious reality of the truth of relationship with a God who loves us unconditionally. And so we see there's no underhanded methods, there's no trickery, there's no distortion of the word of God. Anybody ever been around Word of God distorters? Yeah. Isn't it easy? It's so easy. You want the Word of God to say something, so you find a verse and you take it out of context and you make sure that everybody knows that it says and you're right. And so there, there you go. And it's just like... And I, I think through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is, is releasing something that is just so precious to us. It's this treasure that we have in the gospel relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, we tell the truth as we stand before God. Paul was always aware that when he was preaching, he wasn't working for results. He was coming to bear witness to the truth. Just as Jesus, when he came, he stood and he bore, witness, he bore witness to what his father was doing and what his father was speaking, what he was saying. And that's, that, was his, that, that was his whole agenda. He wasn't looking for the results. 
He was being faithful to the message. He was being faithful to the relationship. He was being faithful to the loving God who sent him. And now we have Paul doing the same thing, saying, as ministers, we have to realize that ministry cannot be about results. It cannot be about manipulation. It cannot be about distorting the truth so that we can accomplish something that's outside of what he wants. We want to accomplish what he accomplishes. And the thing that amazes me about the Lord is that the way we measure success, he doesn't measure success. And the things that we are concerned about to make ourselves feel good and look like we're really being productive and, and effective and we're being obedient to him, we try to measure in the externals and we look for the results. But Jesus never looked for the results. He just did what the Father told him to do and things happened. And when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, that's the way it always has to be. We can't be pursuing the gifts so that we will have some really thrill-seeking kind of fun stuff that we can play with. We have to have it out of relationship with him so that we know when and where he wants to implement his heart, his word to the people that come across our paths. It's about being supernatural naturally. Because as, as I think Tim so well points out, Tim Keller, the miraculous is the restoration of the natural order, the way God intended things to be before the fall. There was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no death. And it's like, okay, sign me up. I want to be part of the kingdom being released in the earth, restoring God's natural order, which we call supernatural. Hmm. Well, we tell the truth before God. We're standing before him. And if people don't receive it, they're perishing. Oh, Yikes. Now, don't misunderstand Paul and sounds like, you know, if you don't receive it, you're going to hell. Get away. Shaking the dust off my feet. All that. There was the place where Jesus would shake the dust off and he told his disciples for those that are resistant to the message. But for most of us, as, as we encounter people here in our culture, most of them are resisting it because it hasn't, they haven't seen the real thing. They've seen the distortion that has come through the church and through Christians who are, are, are steeped in legalism and steeped in all sorts of religious nonsense. And that is the thing that causes them to say, I do not want to have relationship with God. Can you imagine not having relationship with the one who loves you after you've just committed the same sin for the 7,000th time? And he looks at you and he says, I love you. And one day you're going to learn how to trust me in that area. But he doesn't rub our nose in it. He doesn't use shame. He doesn't use condemnation. He releases truth in love. And that seems to be his game plan. Just release the truth and release it in his love. 
and watch what happens because then the religious barriers, the barriers of the world, the secular barriers that the enemy tries to exploit and, and use, all of a sudden they start to crumble because who wouldn't want to have a king like Jesus? Well, people who don't see Jesus for who he is. One of the things, I, I just heard a message from Chris Vallotton and he was talking about the mirrors and how we see God. And he was talking about how, how we see ourselves is how we see the Lord. Everything foundational is based on who you see God to be. How do you see him? And one of the, one of the ways to come in the back door is how do you see yourself? What are the areas that you are condemning yourself for? What are the areas where, where you, uh, you are holding yourself in contempt? Most all of, all of those dynamics comes because that's the way we see God. When we see God as a, as a father who's disappointed, maybe like our earthly father, when, when we see God as a father who is unpleasable, when we see God as a father who is distant and never available, always off on his work assignment, then we have to figure out how we're supposed to behave. But when we see a father, when we see God as a father that we can come and climb up on his lap and we can just pour out our heart and honest, open conversation, we don't have to come before him with some kind of perfectionistic, religious, super holiness, that, that we can't be honest, that we're really battling lust right now. Uh, but when we come up and, and we sit on Father's lap and we're able to be open and honest and just put it all out there and we see his face that doesn't reject, that isn't shame, isn't communicating shame, isn't, isn't in any way disappointed with us. He's so pleased that we got up on his lap and we would tell him what our problem was, that he feels, he feels honored that finally the relationship has gotten to the place that we can come before him and we can share it all instead of, oh, I gotta make sure that he doesn't see this part of me as if he doesn't already know about it because if he does, he'll be disappointed. But as long as he sees me as victorious and walking in triumph and I read my 12 chapters and I prayed my half hour and I did my religious duty and, and now I feel good before God and I, I, my conscience isn't condemning me so I go before the Lord. No. We have to see him for he how, how he truly is. He is an accepting, loving merciful, beyond what you could ever think. You know, it, it, Paul gets to the place, you know, should I say, you know, that grace increases as, sin, as we sin, grace increases. So, so wherever grace, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And then he says, gosh, I gotta be careful. No, he doesn't. He doesn't care if you take this to the wrong extreme. He just says, the grace is absolutely infinite, infinite. It covers all your sin. Whoa. I don't know about you, but I grew up where grace covered about 50 to 75% of my sin. And the rest I had to clean up. 
Now, oftentimes when we, when we make a big boo-boo, <laughs> when, we, when we really have a, a huge mess, we, we, we get to be part of the cleanup team. That's good. Nothing wrong with cleaning up our messes. We need to do that. Sometimes that, that teaches us a little more like, that really wasn't fun. I, I think the next time the devil tempts me to, to bite on that one, I think I got to remember the consequences and everything that I had to walk through. I don't think I want to do that. But your heart is never separated from his heart. Even in the, in the worst of it, his heart is right there, embracing and, and inviting you to share all the pain, all the stuff that you're going through. The message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. We're preaching about the glory of Christ, the doxa, the Shekinah, the kabod. We're, we're, we're preaching the glory of Jesus. Now I've studied these words and I, I feel like I'm really academically smart on them, but experientially poor. And my prayer is, Lord, I don't want to have more academic knowledge than, my ex than experiential relationship. I want to know your glory, not because I've studied the Hebrew and the Greek. I want to know your glory because I've been in your glory. I've been in your glory. The glory is the splendor of the Lord. It's the majesty of what happens when God shows up. And the common denominator of everywhere in the Bible where you see glory it's the presence of God. It's his presence. So I can have a whole lot of knowledge about the glory and have very little experience of being in the glory. If you hear anything this morning, it's an invitation from the Father to come into his glory. And if you've been in his glory, guess what? There's greater glory. No doubt about it. I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. From glory to glory. The NIV says, with an ever-increasing glory, whatever you've encountered in his presence, there's always more to be experienced within that encounter of his glory. I love that. We preach the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. When you see Jesus, you see perfect theology. When you see Jesus, you see God the Father. He is the face of God the Father. And they're distinct, but when you see the Father, when you see the Son, you see the Father. And, and that's why Jesus is in chapter 14, he's trying to help the disciples. You know, Thomas says, Lord, if you just show us the Father, that'd be enough for us. And he says, oh, you don't understand. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. Huh. He is the exact likeness of God. We don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach Christ Jesus, Lord. He is the Lord. Right on. Mm. All we say about ourselves is that we are your servants because of what Jesus has done for us. Without a doubt. Is that wonderful? We get to serve others because of what he has done for us. Whatever he's done for you, you are authorized to do for another. If he's brought you out of this level of darkness, 
Guess who you are authorized to bring out of darkness? Whoever comes around <laughs> that's in the same level where you were. And sometimes I find that I don't even, I'm clueless. I don't know anything about the darkness that they've been in that darkness. I've been in darkness, but I don't know about that darkness. But I know how he gets people out of darkness. It's through light. He shines light. Try this prayer. I've been praying this all week this week, starting with my lovely wife who's doing children this morning. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, Lord, I pray the glory over my wife. I, I plead the blood of Jesus over her and I pray the glory, the glory to be released in her. Now I pray over my household. So you know who I pray for next? Ada Margaret. Oh yeah. Oh Lord, release the blood of Jesus over Ada Margaret. Release the glory over Ada Margaret. So if you start to see those two girls radiating a little more, I get no credit for it. I'm just being faithful to the way he's leading me in his glory. Because once you receive his glory, you want to see others in his glory. And we want to see more and more in that experiential dynamic with the Lord, because what happens when you're in his glory? What happens when you're in the glory? Everything of this world gets transformed. When you come into the glory of God, sickness and disease cannot coexist with the glory of God. Stinking thinking that leads to drinking cannot exist in the glory of God. It changes our mind. It changes the way we think. It changes how we process reality in his glory. Now notice I said it's in his glory that these things happen. It's not when you've received your seminary degree. It's not when you've gone through this program or that program. It's when you've experientially been in his glory presence in his glory. Now, thank God for programs that bring us into his glory, that lead us into his glory. Those are wonderful things that set up so that we can come and have an encounter with the glorious reality of his love. And when we do, stuff falls off. Have you ever noticed how easy it is oftentimes in the midst of really wonderful worship when you are, are clueless about the person next to you and you're caught up in the wonder of the, the one, you're in his glory as you're worshiping, whether it's at home or whether it's in a corporate or a home group, but when you're in that place in the glory, you think clear, life is good, you're in a peace, that is beyond comprehension. You, you don't, you, you're not afraid about tomorrow. You're not, a, you're not condemned about what you did yesterday. You are in a place in him, in him to where it is well because I'm with my beloved. Yeah. Mm. So that's the message. We preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. We preach his glory. It's an experiential encounter. It's not a rational Western world intellectual ascent that uh, I think I'll get my fire insurance so I don't go to hell. So I'll sign on the dotted line. I'll say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. 
uh, come into my heart. Uh, is that all I need to say, or I need to say some more? Okay, I need to say, you know, in Jesus' name, amen. It's not a parrot. It's an encounter. It's an encounter with the presence of him. Now, when you come to an intellectual understanding, sometimes you need to have some understanding before you can really open your heart to have an encounter. But I love it when it's the other way around. I love it when people are just lost, 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 lost. They don't have a clue. And the glory of God comes upon them and they don't know what's happening. They just know that love, they're feeling things they've never felt before. They don't know what to do with it. They don't have language to describe what's going on. Most of them think they're going crazy. They think, oh gosh, is this witchcraft? Has somebody put a spell on me? What's going on? They don't know the wonder of his presence. Now there's some of us here today, it's been a long time since we've been in his presence. This morning's about an invitation into glory. The glorious gospel of Jesus is always an encounter into his presence. You know that I love the supernatural. I love to see the power of God manifest because it is his glory that releases that. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm just crazy about healing. I'm crazy about glory. And when I see the glory manifested in a physical healing, an emotional healing, a spiritual healing, a relational healing, I go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I go absolutely nuts. I love it. It delights my soul. It thrills my soul when the glory of God appears. One of the things that I, that I realized that the more time we spend in the glory, the, the more we realize some things. We realize who we are and we start to see others as God sees them. We no longer see them as just broken, miserable swindlers or any of that. We, we see them. E even the, 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 the wicked, I think our eyes will change on how we even see people who are behaving very, very poorly. It's, that you might say, even as moving on the side of wickedness, we say, God, what's your redemptive purpose? How is it because I believe that there's no one that's outside of the ability of the grace of God to bring into the fold. But how is it, Lord, that you, and I know that it's not one size fits all, that there's unique personal ways that the Lord has for us to go and to love and to express. And sometimes that may be firm, sometimes that may be hard, sometimes that, that may be so compassionate and syrupy that we're gonna kill him with kindness. Oh, Linda's not in here. <laughs> she's, she's teaching with Debbie. She, she, she's one of those syrupy, love them with kindness and just melt their hearts. It's all good. But it's all love. No doubt. Father has a love plan for everyone. And at Christmas time, we went strategically and we prayed, Lord, this year may I be an agent of releasing love in family systems that are broken in relationships that are, that are around the table that aren't working. Lord, I want to be loved. How? Because I've been in the glory. And as I spend time with him and as I'm in his glory, his glory radiates. And as I walk out, I don't even have to say anything. I think it was Dwight L. Moody that said, yeah, preach the gospel all the time, everywhere that you go, preach it to everyone. And if you have to, use words. And it's like, oh man, this is a man that knew something about the glory. 
I've, I've heard a brother that was telling that as we spend more and more time in the glory, that the enemy can't hide. That when we walk around and we have been in the glory and we're carrying the glory and more and more glory is building, we're increasing in his glory, the evil one can't hide. You notice when Jesus, after he's been in the, in the wilderness and, and then as he comes in, in, in Luke chapter four and it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit without limit. That's called unlimited glory, folks. And as he came in the temple, all the demons started crying out. We know who you are. We know who you are. And he commanded them to keep silent. They all recognized him. They were all stirred just because he came in. Just because he came in. I thought, man, this is, this is interesting. I've never, never seen anything like this. So my wife's taken back something at Home Goods. My favorite place to go. Golf Galaxy's right behind it. So, you know, it's not always a wasted trip. But as we go into Home Goods, I'm in Home Goods and I'm not realizing really what I'm carrying. I'm walking down. She calls me. We can't find each other. She calls me and says, Hey, I'm looking at the rugs. Come over to the rugs. I want to show you one. So I come over to the rugs. As I go over to the rugs, all of a sudden this lady starts following me. And she's going, snarling. Just, and I'm thinking, what's that lady's problem? So I'm walking down the main aisle, and I'm going down a main aisle like this, and Debbie's over here at the rugs, and there's all sorts, if you've been to Home Goods, you know, the aisles aren't always clearly identifiable. And this one wasn't an identifiable, but I thought this is the quickest way to get to Debbie, so I'll, I'll just go down this little bitty, and I'm going through stuff. And she starts following me down that aisle. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Debbie and Gage, she kept going, and then I realized, oh, the demonic was activated by the glory of the Lord. And Dodo Head didn't have a realization of what was going on. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could have had a deliverance right here at Home Goods. Don't know. But it was like, oh, Lord, I'm a little slow. But thank you for causing me to understand that your glory's building. Your glory's building. I believe as, as the body of Christ continues to grow and mature and as we spend time in his presence, that there will be an anointing that will transcend a healing anointing. There, there won't be a need to come and to lay hands. I think we'll still do that. But I think we'll find people just getting healed because of glory. I believe that we'll have worship encounters in the service where glory is released and people are healed, and they don't even know that they're healed until they go and try to move something. I don't know if anybody got healed today. I would not be surprised. Because I, I, last time when I was a free Methodist minister at a rather large church, and the special singer for the morning, they got a glitch in the cassette back ground tape, is, am I saying that right? I, the back tape, you know, that she's singing, the accompaniment that she's gonna sing. And, 
And she, she stopped and she apologized and she, oh, she made up. And then she went back and did it again. And she was singing, How Great Thou Art. And the glory filled the sanctuary. And it was the first time I was ever in a service that I did not know what to do. And nobody knew what to do. I was not the senior pastor, I was the associate pastor. And, and we all, and nobody knew what to do because the presence of God descended in such a way. I believe there were healings that were taking place that we didn't even know to even ask and to inquire about. And so when I, I, I didn't hear your, your, whatever the faux pas was this morning, I don't know what it was or I was clueless. But when, when Gloria stopped and I thought, get ready. Oh, how do I steward the glory? How do we steward the glory? Mm. And I felt like the glory increased as we went back through that song. It's like, oh. Am I, is anybody tracking? Am I making sense? Following? You ready for lunch? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's find a place to land this puppy. Um, God who said, let there be light in the darkness. Paul goes back and he quotes Genesis. This is creation. Let there be light. And there was light. Has made us understand that this light is the brightness of the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh my. Do you realize that when you look into the face of Jesus, you see the light that was there when God said, let light shine in darkness. The very foundation of creation. That's why Jesus is the answer. It's not about trying to be politically correct. Jesus is the answer. When people see Jesus for how he truly is, they will all want Jesus. The Muslims who are having manifestations of the person of Jesus Christ are coming to Christ because they see Jesus without all the religious stuff that we put on him. When you see Jesus for how, who he truly is, everyone will want Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see the light of God, the light of day one creation. <clears throat> I just think of the face of Jesus and my own recent encounter with the face of Jesus that just has messed me up so wonderfully. I, I continue to want to look into his eyes. I continue to want to behold his face. And you, you, you get the, the sense of the, of the blessing that the Lord taught the Levites to put on to bless the people. And Numbers 6.22, should be on the screen. Here, if we got it up there, there we go. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face, the face, the face of God. Hmm. Shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And I'm here to say that every time the face of the glorious Jesus Christ is beheld, 
you see the light that was active at creation and you see God in such a way as there will be peace, there will be blessing, there will be the fullness of his presence every time you look into his face. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, this precious, precious, precious treasure. Why? There's no doubt who's doing it. It's the glory. It's the glory. Sometimes the glory is so incredible that we almost have to grow into it. I don't know if that's theologically accurate, but I know that when the glory comes, sometimes it feels like you're gonna die. It's too much for you. And then as, as the, the, the sanctifying, as the purifying, as, as the presence does what it does, it's not because you sign up for a sanctification program, it's as you just continue to commit yourself to be in his presence, stuff starts to fall off of you, stuff gets dealt with, you get free from bondage, chains are no longer uh, imprisoning you. And as that happens, all of a sudden now, now you're able to experience more glory. And I, I, I believe that it just is an ever increasing as we behold him, our capacity, our capacity for glory increases. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah. Let's have it, Lord. But this, this frame lets everybody know it wasn't the bald dude that did it. It was the glory of the Most High. He's the one that speaks. He's the one that heals. He's the one that does. So let's just invite the glory of the Lord to come. We love you because you first loved us. We can't even take credit for our, our love for you. All we can say is, Lord, when, when we are loved the way you have loved us, we can't do anything but love you, but to respond. Mm. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would release the glory of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right here among us. Yes. We're all at so many different places. As you respond to the invitation to enter into glory, you do so right where you are, however that works for you. Don't compare it to anybody that's around you. Just for you. The glory encounter is an individually tailored encounter custom made to fit you and you will grow from where you enter and so we just say we come we say yes to your presence lord we ask that you would forgive us for all our unbelief forgive us for all the things that become obstacles to really really uh, be able to believe. Lord, if there's anyone in the room that feels like they're perishing, I pray, Lord, that their entrance into glory today 
would be to know the joy of forgiveness and the wonder of your love, that you love them, and that there is no condemnation in your heart for them, and that they would come to that. And then for everyone that is on their journey on planet Earth with you, I pray that there would be an increase today of encountering you in your presence. I pray, Lord, that our head would no longer be a hindrance to our encounter with you. I say in Jesus' name, let all our rational, all the intellectual, all the functions of our mind serve the spirit of the living God. Come into alignment and serve our heart and our spirit and the Holy Spirit's revelation to us. In Jesus' name. Glory encounters, plan on them, sow into them, continue to, to reap. And when you are in glory, start writing down what the Lord's saying about you. Okay? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.